jump straight into the message time. So if you've got a Bible, why don't you turn to the book of Galatians? It will come up on the screen as well. Uh, to find Galatians, it's in the New Testament, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and what comes next, Acts, then Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and then I think Galatians is somewhere in there. Hey, big hello to Penny, uh, Penny Menzies, by the way. Come on. Great to see you, Penny. Um, all right, so hey, listen, I want to share with you this morning something that I've actually been speaking at our Next Steps classes for about two years, and uh, I've been doing that fairly regularly, but I realized I've never shared this message here in this context before. And of all the things that I get to share on when it comes to faith and Christianity and how to live out our faith well, uh, this topic is probably the one that I get the most feedback from. I have had people who have come into Next Steps and listened to some of the thoughts that I'm about to share with you. Uh, that uh, have, have actually broken down in tears after hearing some of this, not because it's really bad, but because it's moving. And, and people have had really aha moments uh, about what they've heard. And I just, as I was looking over this, as we're now changing the way that we do next steps, we're no longer going to be sharing this stuff. We're going to streamline it a little bit. I thought, man, I need to just make this into a Sunday morning message. And so which I'm going to do today. And so I just want to take a little bit of time. Is everyone awake? Yeah. We feel a little quiet, but that, that's okay. It's fine to be quiet, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. But uh, I want to talk to you this morning about living from the tree of life. Living from the tree of life. And this is going to be good. This is going to be uh, impacting uh, for us, particularly if you've not heard this before. But we all need a reminder about what I'm about to share. I've, I've entitled this message, If You Are Taking Notes, Two Trees. All right? Two Trees. And that's all going to make some sense. Uh, in a little bit, I'm going to throw out a few passages of Scripture uh, at you. And I'm going to do some setting up. And then, God willing, it's all going to come together beautifully and we'll be just high-fiving each other out the door. That's my plan this morning. So I just want to pray. So, Father, I thank you for, for what you get to say this morning through me. And, Lord, I thank you for your presence. I thank you, God, that you love us so much and, and you have great plans and purposes for each of our lives. And I pray, God, that we would simply rest in your love today and tomorrow and the next day and just keep on uh, keep on receiving that revelation of your unconditional love and grace for us this morning God I thank you that you would speak you would challenge you would stir you would comfort us in in Jesus in Jesus name so the book of Galatians as I said found in the New Testament hopefully you're there if you do have a Bible it will come up on the screens is like a few other books in the New Testament in that it's actually a, a letter that has been written by the Apostle Paul, who is the author, the writer of many of the books of the New Testament. It is a letter or an epistle that has been written to uh, many of the churches that he helped plant. And so, for example, the book of First and Second Corinthians are actually letters written to the church or the, of, the, of, of Corinth, the city of Corinth, the, 
book of Philippians is a letter written to the church of Philippi. The book of Colossians is a letter written to the church in Colossae. Okay, you're following me with that? So although they were written to a specific group of people or a specific region or a specific church, we can benefit from them today because of the revelation that is found in them. Paul, as we know that all scripture is God-breathed, Paul wrote this with this kind of uh, God-breathed authority and inspiration. And, and so Paul writes to the Galatian church because he began to hear some rumors. Uh, there was no social media in those days. I don't know how he began to fi- find out about it, but he found out that in his absence, some of the church's teaching, some of the church in, in Galatia, their doctrine had begun, begun to get a little off a little skewer, a little kind of weird. And, and so Galatians, particularly the first few chapters, it kind of starts off like a corrective letter to, uh, to, to the church by Paul to get them back on track and to simply remind them about what the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about. And he begins with this quick introduction, and then he very quickly, in verse 6 of Galatians 1, gets right down to the matter at hand. And he begins by saying this. He goes, hey, church, I am astonished. And uh, if you're reading this in another version, it may say, I'm amazed or I am shocked, Paul says, because he's a little ticked off, all right? That you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace, that is a key word this morning, grace, the grace of Christ, and are turning to a different gospel. Everyone say different gospel. He says, I'm astonished, I'm amazed that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Now, some of you may be hearing this from the first time that Paul is actually suggesting here that there are two different gospels, two different approaches to God. And one of them, as we keep reading in verse seven, he says, is really no gospel at all. Like it's not, not only is it not the right gospel, it's, it's not actually the gospel. And then he goes on to say, evidently some people are throwing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. So Paul, uh, he's really upset. And why is he upset? If you read a little bit further, it's kind of interesting, maybe a little bit humorous for us today. But he's upset because some of the Jewish Christians... They had uh, come in behind Paul after he'd left and they'd begun to tell the Galatian church and teach the Galatian church that in order to be godly, in fact, in order to be saved, in order, in order to, to please God, they would, as a church, first need to be circumcised. <laughs> All right. Excuse me if that's upsetting to anybody, but, but uh, now... That was Jewish practice. As a baby, after, I think it's eight days, you had to have uh, the snip. And you can actually read a little bit more about this. I'll move on in just a second. But in Acts chapter 15, we won't turn there. It's actually quite humorous. In Acts 15, you can read this later, that actually the elders of the churches were debating with one another whether to include that operation in their church membership. Right. And, and so like it was going to be a re- should it be a requirement that that we actually inc- force people to have 
this cosmetic surgery, right? That's how off they, they had gotten. Can, can, you, can you imagine how many sign-ups we'd have for next steps if we, if we did that, right? It'd be like all of the, the guys would be like, oh, honey, you go to next steps. I'll just, uh, I'll just wait around uh, and tell me how, how it went. But anyway, so what, what had been happening in, in the Galatian church is that they had been falling back into the law, all right? And not staying in grace. Are you following me this morning? And he goes on in Galatians 1 and 2 to remind them of the differences between law and grace. And who it is that they are worshipping and how it is we are to approach God. But Paul is ticked off. In fact, he says in Galatians chapter 3, You foolish Galatians, you foolish church, who has bewitched you? Who has convinced you of a different way to approach God? Like Paul hadn't, hadn't been gone long and suddenly or perhaps quickly but slowly things, if you know what I mean, had, had, kind, of, had kind of moved in another direction. And what Paul is saying is, why guys have you reverted your faith to a, listen, a religious-centered gospel instead of a grace-centered one? That's essentially what he was saying. Don't worry about the context and actually snip, snip what was going on. But he was saying, guys, why have you gone back to a religious-centered gospel instead of a grace-centered one? And I just, want to, I just want to put this out here this morning as kind of a main point, if you can see that behind me. True Christianity, all right, what it is to be a follower of Christ, listen, is not about religion, but about a relationship with God. If you, if you take away anything from this morning, take away that true Christianity. It's not about a religion. It's about a relationship with God. Yeah. See, religion, when we think about it, is all about our own efforts, our own strength, our own willpower, our, our own performance in order to get closer to God or appear godly, right? A, a relationship, rather, is all about falling in love with the person called Jesus, and then everything else we do from that love relationship comes out of that. Huge difference. And, and as we read through uh, the, these passages or the story in Galatians, and the, you know, the snip snip thing, I won't mention that again, uh, is we can kind of laugh a little bit about it and smirk about what they were doing. Like, how could they, how did they end up going there? But do you know what? There is a natural tendency in us all, if we're not careful, to revert to methods of religion and self-effort to stay godly. Like it just, it's just there, kind of waiting for us to kind of get all religious. And instead of leaning into the performance of Jesus, who, remember, did it all for us so that we don't have to. In fact, I actually believe that the greatest danger to the church is religion. And, uh, or worse yet, a religious spirit. And, and, it, and it just a religious spirit and religion will just suck all the life out of you. Suck all the life out of, out of the church. And I don't think that, that we as a tongue-talking Pentecostal church can't dabble in religion. We can. We've got to be so super, super careful. And so, you know, the, the, the church in general has suffered, I think, uh, from a branding problem, right? That, that we have kind of put out this message to the world that we're religious 
and that it's all about our efforts to get to God. And, and it's no wonder that people think the church is just full of do-gooders who are boring. And, and, and you know what I mean? Like, like, like someone once said, God prefers the fruits of the Spirit over religious nuts. <laughs> Focus on the fruit of the Spirit rather than being a religious nut. But Paul in Galatians, he refers to these two gospels, these two ways, these two approaches to God, the two choices that we can, can make in, in, in approaching him. And, and these two approaches are essentially our attempts and pursuit of what I would call godliness, or let me just make sure this is working. And I just want to look at this for just a little bit this morning, like how, how do we become godly? How do we stay godly? What, what is our approach to God like in light of these two gospels, these two approaches, these these two uh, two two ways of of getting to God and serving Him? And as I said, there's a right way and there is a wrong way. One way will leave you dissatisfied and worn out and tired, and the other way will put you on a path of freedom in life, and it's wonderful. And this may change some of your lives this morning and those of you who may be listening. There's two choices of grace or religion. They actually show up right throughout the Bible. And I, I believe that God's put one of the stories around this importantly at the, in the very first book of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, just to show us how foundational and how essential this is. It's in Genesis chapter 2. You can turn there as well. It will come up on the screens. And I just want to read this to you in Genesis 2 verse 8. Just follow me with this for a bit. It says, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, the Garden of Eden, and there he put the man that he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. And in the middle of the garden were two trees, two trees. One tree was the tree of life and the other tree was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I just want to stop there for a second and propose to you that these two trees represent and represented two choices, two ways, two approaches to, to get to God of, of how we might live, how we might become godly. And these two choices, you can either do it from living from the tree of life or living from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We can either live from one, live out our faith, live out our approach to God from one tree or the other. Let's keep reading. In fact, let's just jump down to verse 16 of Genesis 2. It says that the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree on the garden, verse 17, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In other words, don't let that be your, don't live, don't let that be your approach. Don't live from the tree of knowledge, eat from the tree of life. For when you eat of it, the tree of knowledge, you will certainly die. In other words, it's going to kill you. It'll make your life miserable if you stay living from that tree of knowledge. And most of us will know how the story ends, how it goes. Jump over to chapter 3 verse, chapter 3 verse 1. It says, I'm just going to read this from the screens. I don't have all of it in my notes. Now, the serpent, the devil, was more crafty than 
any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say? Did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, hang on, we may eat from the trees, any trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. And listen to what the enemy says, for you will not die. In other words, you heard it wrong. This is a tree that you could eat from. He said to God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, what I want you to see is that the, the devil here in, in appealing to Eve and, and ultimately Adam and Eve or to man, his appeal to them wasn't appealing to her desire to be rebellious, right? And, and you've probably heard lots of different teachings on this, but look at that. He's not, he's not appealing to Eve's desire to be sinful. In fact, he did the exact opposite. He appealed to her desire to be godly. Come on, you want to be like God? You want to know good and evil? Eat from this tree. Live from this tree. He wasn't, he wasn't uh, tempting or speaking to her appeal to be rebellious or sinful. It was an appeal for her to be godly, to eat from this tree. Come my way, he was saying, and I'll show you how to be like God. What the devil was saying is God said, don't eat of this tree. But I want to tell you, there's a better way where you can control your own godliness and be like God. And as you know, they bought into it, verse, verse 6. I'm just making sure this is even on the page. Verse 6 says, the, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. Shame came. Condemnation came. They sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. The, the basic foundation story of these two trees is critical for us to be reminded of and know when it comes to avoiding religion and having a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. And I just want to explain a little bit more and bring this all together about these two choices and how, and how, how many of us, when it comes to our approach, when it comes to our faith, might actually be living from the wrong tree, eating from the wrong tree, picking fruit from the wrong tree. And I just want to tell you gently this morning, stop it. <laughs> stop doing that. Stop living from the tree of knowledge and start living from the tree of life. Because this is a really big deal. And we want every single person, I've been saying this for two years and next steps, every single person who comes through these doors, every person who commits to this church whanau to live and to eat from the tree of life. And there are some differences. And I just want to give you uh, some examples in the form of a few points. And this is where it's going to come together and make some sense uh, this morning. Number one, how do I approach God? How will I One tree, eating or living from the tree of knowledge, is all about what you can do. 
and what you have done. The other tree, the tree of life, is focused on what Jesus has done. Listen, religion will have you focusing on what you do. In other words, you know what? God will accept me if I do more. God will love me if I serve more, if I pray more, if I read my Bible more, if I give more money to the church. If I just do more, if it's about what I will do, then God will love you. And friend, maybe that's you and you might be listening this morning. Listen, if you feel like you can never do enough for God and if you don't do enough, God's not going to like you, that is a wrong view and you are living from the tree of knowledge and not the tree of life. Because you can do more and, you know, that's just going to tie you out or you can receive what has already been done. You see, the, the, the thing that makes Christianity work is when we realize what Jesus has already done for us. And out of that gratitude, it compels us to do things. You notice the difference in order. It's the order. It's really important. For, for example, the goal of reading the Bible. How many know that reading the Bible is important, right? And so what I'm about to say, don't kind of, kind of twist my words, but, but it's important to read. The, it's important to, to get into a habit, into a spiritual discipline of reading the Word. But listen, sometimes we just read the Bible because we, just, we, we know we just got to, right? And, and, we can, and if we can read more parts of the Bible than the next person, that makes us somehow a better person. Or, 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 or you know, it, 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 it's, it's, listen, the goal of reading the Bible is not to learn the Bible. The goal of reading the Bible is to experience Jesus, yeah. the one the Bible's all about. So good. The goal isn't about more knowledge. The goal is finding the person that the knowledge is all about. It's about oh, discovering so Jesus, all right? Not ticking off, oh, I've read this book and I've read that book and I did 10 minutes today. If, if you're just reading it to kind of kind of just tick it off, you're missing the point. You're living from the wrong tree. We want you reading your Bible not because it's the right thing to do. We want you to read it to find Christ, to discover Jesus. And that will make all the difference in the world. And it's what we call living from the tree of life. Don't focus on what you can do. Focus on what Jesus has done. Number two, one tree, one tree will have you focusing on getting God's approval. The other one focuses on receiving God's love. Now, these may be subtle. Think about them for a bit, but they're actually huge. One tree. If you live from one tree, you, if you're focused on just getting God's approval, tree of knowledge. If you're Living from the tree of life, your focus will always be about receiving God's love. Listen, you can try and earn God's approval or you can receive God's love for you. You can try and earn it, but you've already got it. Your view of God will determine your relationship with Him. And, and, and I've met so many Christians and I've been there before and every now and then I dabble with it where I get caught on this performance wheel where I think I've got to do things so that God will be pleased with me. Wrong tree. Or I can come to the conclusion that he already does love me. And I'm not going to change nothing about that. Listen, God already loves you regardless of what you've done. He may not want you to stay in that current position, but he loves you. 
But if you don't have that view of God, what? That he already loves you. It's going to mess with the rest of the journey. And that's why this is so important. We want you to authentically and genuinely fall in love with God. Because if you do that, everything changes. And I just want to remind you this morning that God is not waiting for you to do something before he does something for you. He already loves you. He already approves of you. He just wants to make you better, right? He wants to do a great work inside of you. Let me give you some scripture if you're not convinced this morning. It says this in Romans 5, 8. God demonstrates his own love for us in this, like in this way. While we were still sinners, Christ died for you. Like the, 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 the climax of his love took place while you were being an idiot. While you were in sin. He demonstrated his love and mercy which has not changed when you were in sin. He didn't wait for you to change so that he could then start loving you. He loved you so that you could change. But what happens when we're living from the wrong tree, we make this mistake, right? And this is how it kind of plays out. Man, I've had a really bad week. I've had a few naughty thoughts this week. And yeah, I can't worship God this morning because I'm just, oh man, I've really struggled. I'm not going to come to church because, man, I've done something. I can't worship because I'm just not God. I'm just not good enough. Wrong tree. He loved you. He showed his love when you were in sin. And, and, and it's these tempting things that cause us just to move over to the, to the tree of knowledge and start living like that. It's called religion and it's going to wear you out. Stop it. Stop it. 1 John 4, 19 says this. We love. In other words, we worship God. We have our faith. Why? Because he first loved us. We ain't going to earn that or get that by doing anything else. It's already ours. And that is the good news, friends. And even while we were still sinners, he poured out his life for us. In other words, the reason I worship is not because of what I did or didn't do last week. Not because of my performance that I come to him and worship because he first loved me and he still loves me. All right, number three. Number three, last one here this morning. One tree focuses on external duty. I didn't do enough. I didn't pray enough. I haven't read my Bible long enough. The other tree focuses on internal desire. One tree will focus on external duty. The other focuses on internal desire. Listen, you can obey God out of duty. And that looks quite good on the outside. Dutiful, obedient person. But the other Or you can obey him out of delight, rather. You can obey him out of duty, or you can obey him out of delight. And and this deals with our motivation for serving God. Am Am I doing this? Am I serving? Am I showing up on Sundays and worshiping and doing all of these things because I'm in love? Or am I doing it because I have to? I've got to get up, I've got to go out, I've got to do all this. But you know, it's what a Christian's supposed to do, go to church and do all this stuff. Or are you doing it because you get to? Because it's, it's a delight. I want to tell you guys, it's way, way better and way easier when it comes from the tree of life, when it's a delight. Not I have to, but I get to do, to do this. Everything changes. And so 
The secret, right? If like, how, how do I do this? The, the secret is, is really simple. And it's actually the first part of our mission statement, which is to, is to love strong. Like love, love. Find this love relationship with God. Fall in love with Jesus. When you do that, everything, everything will change. Your motivation, your desires, the, everything will change. How do I fall? Find out who he is. Experience his goodness. Discover what he's done. Make that make you happy. And once you're in love, everything you do for him becomes a delight, not a duty, not just a responsibility, not just I got to, but I get to. Why don't uh, the band just come and if you could just play? I'm going to wrap this up in a second. But. Jesus said in, in John 15, uh, sorry, in John 14, verse 15, and you're going you're gonna to like this. This is, this is my favorite part when I would teach this, this lesson in, in next steps. And most of you will have heard this passage of scripture before, and it really does a good job of explaining all that I've said. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. You will obey my commandments. If you love me, you will obey my commands. If you love me, comma, you will obey my commands. That comma is really, really important. If you read that passage of scripture, like I have read it in the past, from the perspective of the tree of knowledge, if you read that scripture where Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. If you listen to that and you read that and you live that passage out from the tree of knowledge, from the place of religion, what you will hear. And maybe some of you are hearing that today when I say it. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. What you hear Jesus saying is if you love me, you better prove to me that you love me. By obeying my commandments. If you love me, you will obey my commands. You will prove your love to me by obeying my commandments. Don't try and tell me you love me if you cannot obey, right? That's how we hear that. That's how some of us read that. And if you, though, if you read this from the perspective of the tree of life, not religion. I don't know where my trees are here. I'm getting mixed up. I think it was over here. The tree of life. If you are living and eating from the tree of life and you read John 14 verse 15, do you know what? It, it comes out a completely different way. It says this, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. If you love me, <laughs> you will obey them. Like, you won't even have to think about obeying my commandments. Just love me and you will. Is this mic still going? It is. You want to obey them. You won't have to actually think about or focus on the obedience part. If you just focus on the other side of the comma, love me, love me, fall in love with me, discover my goodness, my grace and my mercy. Don't worry about the obedience part. It'll just happen. And when we live from the tree of life, we don't have to worry about doing the right thing and stressing out about this thing or that thing or trying to be a good Christian. It'll just work out because that's what a love relationship looks like. 
Let me explain it another way. Am I faithful to my wife? Because there is a command in the scriptures that says, thou shall not commit adultery. Like, 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 do I have to wake up every morning and remind, I've got to stay faithful to Caroline. Oh, you know, there's a law that says I must stay faithful. Oh my gosh, please, I must be faithful. I must be faithful. So I don't break that command. Or am I faithful because I'm in love with my wife and I don't want anyone else? You see, I'm, I'm, I'm faithful without thinking about it. Because it's out of this love relationship with her. Why would I want to commit adultery? It's not a thing I have to think about every morning. Because I'm not living from the law, I'm living from love. And I want to tell you, friend, it makes all the difference when you live from love and out of love. That obedience just happens. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. Not, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. The second way is way better because I've discovered the more that I love God, the more I I don't have to think about doing the right thing. It just happens automatically. What side of the comma are you on? On the love side or the obedience side? Now listen, obedience is important, right? But it's how that happens in our heart. Yeah. Are you focusing on just trying to do the right thing and be obedient or are you focusing on love? Choose a tree of life. Choose life. Let me just re- finish with one more scripture from the book of Deuteronomy chapter 30 here he goes this day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you God says life and death blessings and curses now choose life choose life choose to live out your faith from the tree of life Live from that place, from the life-giving tree of His grace and His mercy. and What He has already done on His performance, on His perfect record. Don't tie yourself out by trying to be or do or become something other than one who is deeply loved by Christ. So much so that while we were still in sin, He loved us and poured out his life for us. Why don't we just stand for a moment and bow our heads. Maybe this morning, maybe you're listening to this later. You're realizing that, you know what? In some areas, maybe a whole lot of areas, I've been living from the tree of knowledge and not the tree of life. I've been trying to get somewhere or become someone, someone godly. My approach to God has been skew if. It's like I've reverted back to the law when it's all supposed to be about grace and love. And I'm not going to embarrass anyone today. Maybe that's you. 
Maybe you're listening, man, that's, that's me. I've been stuck on this performance wheel of Christianity, trying to get what I've already got. And it's a hopeless, never-ending cycle that will burn you out and tie you and put you off Christianity. It's never supposed to be like that. And that's why Paul said when he saw it happening just a few years after he'd given the church in Galatians everything they needed, you foolish people, who's bewitched you? Who's convinced you of another gospel? I want to tell you this morning, Stick to the gospel of love. Every time, every time, it'll put you on the path that you need to be on. Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you for the tree of life that was planted for us to live from and live out of and eat from. I thank you for relationship, not religion. And God, where we have strayed away with our lives, not only in what church might look like, but God, our hearts. Or maybe it's the way that we've been taught, where we've transferred this whole deal of performance into our faith. We say sorry, and we repent, and we give you our own performance and receive your perfect performance. That you did it all for us that we didn't have to. Help us, God, to live out our faith every single day from the tree of life. And Holy Spirit, I pray right now, God, for some of those internal issues that are wired in such a way that we kind of can't get off that performance wheel. Holy Spirit, maybe even right now, you would just do a work on the inside. God, have us change the way we think. God, let us put down the old ways. Let us experience, God, your truth and your love and your mercy and your grace, God, your grace, Jesus. That even if I never pick up my Bible again, You'd still love me. But you don't want us to stay the same, but may it be out of a love relationship that motivates us to change. May we as a church live from the tree of life, live the way of relationship, help us to lead others out from the tree of knowledge to also eat from the tree of life, out from duty, out from the law, out from rules and into relationship and into delight and, and out from I got to or I have to to I get to. I can't believe I get to do this. It's so amazing. <laughs> Lead us into a deeper love relationship, I pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God, I thank you for every person here today. I, I thank you for the call on their life. I, I thank you, God, for the destiny and the destinations that you have us in. But Father, I thank you most of all for your love that's been poured out on a cross at Calvary where you performed 
for us so that we don't have to. Help us go from this place, maybe even with just a glimpse, but some kind of shift in our minds that goes out from this place going, wow, God, you did it all for me. So that I don't have to. Go, while I was still in sin, you paid the price. What an extravagant act of love that I simply just have to receive and say, thank you. I receive it. I continue to live from that tree of life, being reminded every day of your love. I don't have to prove anything to anyone. I don't have to be anything or anyone. I just live from that place of love. And out of that, you compel me to do more. May that be the mark over our lives, I pray.